I'm very bullish on engineering. And I would say, even if you had aspirations to become a physician or a lawyer or go into business and be an entrepreneur, maybe get an MBA, engineering's a great place to start. That was Levi Thompson, PhD and Dean of the School of Engineering at the University of Delaware, speaking about some of the many opportunities he sees for those who pursue engineering as a career or as their college major. Engineering trends, opportunities, and the future, and how you might capitalize on those will again be our focus on this episode, episode number 80 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Well, hello, Looking Forward listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Today on Looking Forward, we're again going to focus on the world of engineering. In part one of this two-part series, episode number 79, we looked at how engineering has changed over the past few decades and what new areas of specialization have arisen for engineers. We also discussed some of the National Academy of Engineering's 14 grand challenges whose ultimate objective is to improve our world and our quality of lives. Here in part two, we're going to learn about how engineers are working together to tackle some of the world's biggest challenges. We'll also learn about the future of engineering, the many opportunities the field will offer, and how you, as a consumer, can support the work of engineers. To help us with all this, we've again brought on an expert on this topic. He's Levi Thompson. Levi Thompson is a PhD and the Dean of Engineering and Elizabeth Inez Kelly Professor of Chemical Engineering at the University of Delaware. There he leads more than 3,500 students, 300 plus faculty and staff, seven departments, and more than a dozen research centers in expanding the university's ability to address the world's most vexing challenges. Prior to joining UD, Dr. Thompson was on the faculty at the University of Michigan for 30 years. There, his research focused on novel catalytic and energy storage materials, and he served in various leadership roles for hydrogen research, undergraduate education, and diversity recruitment and development efforts. He is a fellow of the American Institute of Chemical Engineering and an elected member of the National Academy of Engineering. Dr. Thompson's research is focused on developing and commercializing nanoscale materials for catalytic and energy storage applications. He has authored more than 150 publications, is co-inventor of more than 10 patents, and has co-founded two companies focused on commercializing his discoveries. Levi, you're working and spearheading the effort at the University of Delaware. What I'd like you to share with our listeners is something that I alluded to earlier, which is this notion and hopefully this reality of collaboration. Are other schools, other organizations, other countries working on this stuff as you are as well there at the University of Delaware? And are they speaking to one another about all of this? 
So it's not just you and your silo and somebody else at another university and somebody else in Europe or Asia or Africa. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned earlier that we're trying to tackle some of the most vexing and complex problems. That requires collaboration because you can't, you know, there's so many elements associated with it that you absolutely need to collaborate. And I want to remember this saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We want to go far. And in some cases, very far. I'll give you some examples of some things here at the University of Delaware again. We have several federally funded centers and institutes that involve collaboration between our faculty, students and staff here at the University of Delaware and faculty at dozens of other institutions, including University of Pennsylvania, University of Chicago. It includes national laboratories like Oak Ridge National Labs, Argonne National Labs. This is how modern research is done. It's collaborative. In fact, you'll find that modern laboratories are designed to facilitate collaboration. And we still have some labs that, that have confined areas. You know, this is mine, that's yours. Many of the laboratories that we're designing today are open. You'll have people from several disciplines working hand in hand safely. Remember, we're still in a pandemic to address some of the more complex problems that we're facing as a society. You know, as I think about some of the international collaborations that I've been involved with and other people have been, there are some very specialized spectroscopies that are done in other countries that we don't do as well here. And that's a perfect example of why we would need to collaborate. I think about people in atomic physics, just as an example. Europe is a hotbed. We absolutely would collaborate and want to collaborate. We'll bring our strengths combined with their strengths. It makes us both better. That sounds very exciting again, the whole notion of not a bunch of organizations working independently, which of course they have to do in part, but working collaboratively with others to improve the quality of our lives and our societies. We're still going through COVID-19. Hopefully we're getting to a better place there. It's had a dramatic impact on most of our lives, almost no matter where we live. Can mm -hmm. you give us an example or two of how you think it is affecting engineering and academia as well as out in the field? So COVID itself did not drive this, but any infection or disease like this would cause you to find other ways to do some of the things that you do regularly. So just as an example, the way we teach has changed. The way we do research has changed. Uh, we can do more things remotely than we ever could before. Actually, let me take that back. We probably could have done some of those things, but there was no driver for it. Yes. There was no reason for me to have a Zoom call with you. Yes. We would just meet each other in your office or my office. Yes. Now, I can have a meeting, a very effective meeting, with someone thousands of miles away. I will continue doing that. To be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of traveling for business. I like to travel for a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Traveling for business sometimes can be a serious burden. And 
the opportunity to collaborate and work with people using uh, technology that we now have become more aware of. Some of it was invented, but a lot of it was already there. We just enhanced it. It's It's been wonderful. And then, you know, as I think about some of our engineering students, and this is probably true for other disciplines, uh, some learn, I mean, there's certain things that we teach that they learn better remotely because they have access to multiple sites and information from those sites. It's hard to bring all of that into one classroom or all of that into one laboratory. So there will be cases where remote is better than in person. We have to find that optimal mix. It won't be all virtual or all in person. It'll be some hybrid. And so you hear people talk about hybrid. And it, you know, again, that's not just for engineering. I think that's going to be true uh, for uh, most disciplines. One of the other things I, I, I have to mention is that the pandemic created a tremendous amount of stress for everyone, you know, and our young people, including my own children. Uh, the stress that has been applied, uh, you know, we need to pay close attention to uh, to mental health. You know, that's something that sometimes we we just gloss over. We don't pay much attention to it. I, I think we've got to continue and maybe increase our focus on maintaining good mental health. It's an outstanding point. I hope that some of the efforts being made on the great challenges, which are in the area of medicine, and you talked about the delivery of medications and re-engineering we, we say reverse engineering the brain. Right, reverse engineering the brain. I hope that some of that can be applied in the mental health arena as well. Also, I think on the positive side, amidst the pandemic and the tremendous amount of chaos and loss that it's caused, is what you alluded to, which is the collaboration may actually be enhanced in the area that we're talking about here, which is working together on these engineering challenges. I, I think this pandemic obviously has created a number of challenges, but there's some silver lining stories. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, you know, I mentioned thinking about the modalities that we use when we educate. We were never forced to do that. You know, now we have a greater sense. I mean, and we pivoted. Uh, one of the other things I would say, and this probably doesn't fit well into this particular segment, but we are resilient. I'm amazed by the resilience of our students, faculty, and staff, and our you know friends and colleagues, uh, just incredibly resilient. And that, I think, will be one of the positives that we talk about for years to come. I agree. Now, you started to get into this, and now I'm going to have you really get into it, which is looking forward is about looking into the future. So if we had to have you predict what trends or changes we're going to see in engineering, and I'm talking, Levi, again, about any phase, any and all, academia, government, business, for consumers over the next several years, let's just limit it to three to five years. If you want to go through the decade, that's fine. So uh, a trend that, you know, it's been going for you know, a few years now already, I think the importance of data is going to continue to escalate. 
understanding that data, accessing data, protecting data. If you think about it, think about data as a commodity. What we can do with that data. If I, so, you know, I think about the data that's flowing in China, just so much information. If you got access to all of it, we're able to digest it, if you will. Think about what you could do. I mean, there are a lot of great things that you can do. There are obviously some more problematic things that you could also do. You know, just our ability to get ahead of a problem. You know, if there's a sufficient amount of information and you could see from the trends that the last time this occurred, this is what happened. You better look out and prepare for whatever is next. That's going to create all kinds of really important and interesting opportunities. So that's one area that I, you know, my suspicion is in the next five years, it's just going to escalate to the point where, I mean, we're already saying, seeing the influence of kind of data science on all of our engineering discipline. Not a single discipline in our college is not affected by data science and sort of computer, I'd say computer science even. Levi, getting back to the challenges, the 14 challenges, is there anything that's being worked on now in any of those areas where you're seeing something happening over the next few years that will accelerate the accomplishment of one of those challenges? I think there's something happening in all of those areas. Just as an example, uh, I started with solar energy. New materials will enable more efficient and cost-effective conversion of solar energy into other forms that we might want to use. Uh, you know, it could be electricity or it could be heat. New materials are going to be the basis for those discoveries. We're now able to grow new materials, you know, materials that basically didn't exist before. We can grow them, we can test them, evaluate them against some opportunity that we're interested in. So it's going to just open up all kinds of really important opportunities. You know, I mentioned um, reverse engineering the brain. Yes. You know, you sense that mechanical properties are important, but stiffness, you know, the stiffness of your brain is incredibly important. Knowing that now will allow us to do something about it. So it could be in the next five, 10 years, you'll have therapies to make your brain less stiff. You would never have known that without someone doing that early work to establish that these mechanical properties are connected to the function of your brain. I, I, I bet we could say that about every decade. The next decade is going to be incredible. I mean, you think about two or three decades ago, there were no cell phones. Right. I, I'm not sure I could function right now without a cell phone. Right. Be very, very difficult. You know, in fact, it's it's almost attached to my hip. <laughs> that all happened in the last couple of decades. Yes. Imagine what could be next. Unbelievable. You used one of the special words, Levi, that Looking Forward is focused on, and that is opportunities. And I wanted to have you speak a little bit about that. As you well know, many individuals, because of COVID, perhaps for other reasons, 
have lost their jobs. Millions of people have lost their jobs. Some are getting new jobs or the same jobs back. Other people, like the students you work with, are trying to figure out what career they should pursue. People looking to change careers. Mm -hmm. Then you have people who are entrepreneurs. And of course, the investors, both of whom, the investors and the entrepreneurs who contribute a great deal to helping these advancements occur. Where do you see, and you kind of alluded to this, but I want you to elaborate maybe a little bit, opportunities for any of those disparate individuals, whether they be the job or the career seekers, the entrepreneurs or the investors? That's a good question. You know, I'll, I'll go back to something I said earlier. The complexity of the problems requires a great deal of collaboration. We all think differently. We all bring different ingredients to the mix. And I think increasingly, we're going to require that we sample from a lot more disciplines than we have in the past. So I think about, you know, arguments about diversity. Arguments about diversity have for many years focused on it's the right thing. Uh, I think we're going to reach a tipping point where if you're serious about solving these problems, you're going to have to have a diverse set of thoughts and skills and opinions connected with the opportunity or initiative. You're going to find that people maybe that, you know, you talk about people that may have been displaced, unemployed, you know, they all have skills. My suspicion is we'll need all of those skills to really address some of these problems that we're facing. Levi, I couldn't agree with you more about the need for diverse opinions, again, going back to the need to get a bunch of different inputs and to collaborate. What about opportunities in the engineering field itself, per se, for these different kinds of individuals? It's a range. You know, you mentioned investors. You know, an investor, frankly, to get some of the concepts all the way to a commercial product, it requires an investment. Someone's got to make, in many cases, there's an early investment just to get it off the ground. The federal government has been tremendous in that regard, just getting that concept to the point where maybe it's it's demonstrated. But to become a product, you need a lot more investment, not only financially, but you know the skills that are involved. And I, I don't want to say anything disparaging about engineering, but sometimes the engineer in the house is not necessarily the, the best entrepreneur. Yeah. So you might need to have somebody who has more of an entrepreneurial focus involved with that initiative in order to bring it forward as a commercial product. The other thing I would tell you is as engineering evolves, we've heard of financial engineers. I mean, so think about that. That's now connecting finance and engineering. So someone that might have been trained in finance who now can uh, acquire some additional skills would be a financial engineer. Maybe I'm going too far with this, but I could put engineering behind almost anything. <laughs> Food engineering. Sure. There is a discipline. Yeah. And there are people that are focused on that. I mean, we think of the traditional areas, social engineering. Right. So if there are areas that need problem solved, engineering is the discipline. Would it be a correct assessment on my part 
to say that you're bullish on jobs and careers still in engineering? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think from two perspectives. One, I know that our employers continue to look for more and more engineers. The other thing I would tell you is that engineers are very well paid. So you think about it from a supply demand perspective. Companies are willing to pay for you to get that engineering degree and pay well. I'm very bullish on engineering. And I would say even if you had aspirations to become a physician or a lawyer or go into business and be an entrepreneur or maybe get an MBA, engineering is a great place to start. You can get that bachelor's degree in engineering and then go on. I know a number of physicians that are engineers, and I think they're better physicians as a consequence because they kind of understand the engineering method, if you will. They also, in some cases, if you're a biomedical engineer, you understand how the body functions. Those can be tremendous assets for a physician. It sure sounds like a great way to lay the groundwork for a career in medical care, whether you're a physician or some other kind of clinician. Levi, I want to ask you one last question before we give people a chance to find out more about what you're doing in UD and so forth. Here on Looking Forward, we'd like to take our experts and have them share some advice based on their expertise that would be of value to people, our listeners, of course, and anybody else who might hear it from our listeners. And that is, in your case, what can we as consumers do to aid in the achievement of the engineering challenges and goals that you've been talking about today? There are so many different things, but let me start with research. We need to do more research to address those grand challenges. It requires an investment and an understanding that an investment happens before the solution emerges. So we need people to understand the average consumer, that we need to continue to invest in research. We've not invested in research, at least here in the United States, the way we used to. And one consequence is that, you know, we are not leading in areas that we we really would like to lead in. As a citizen, you can talk to the, your legislators, policymakers, need more investment in research. If we could do that, I think it would help tremendously. You know, we'd be able to bring more people into the mix, better solutions would emerge more quickly. You know, we talked about how long it would take to address some of those grand challenges. It's not always more money reduces the time, but it very often helps. So I would say as a citizen, just focus on helping make those investments in research that are required to address the grand challenges. Okay, that sounds like an important thing that we all can do is make sure that we're behind the effort to continue to fund the great research that you and your students and staff and others around the world are doing to try to achieve these goals. Be patient as well. (laughs) Be patient. I think some expect if I give you a dollar today, tomorrow you're going to see you know, this tremendous outcome. Research is delving into the unknown. So in many cases, we're not sure what we'll find. 
you know, one thing will lead to another, which will lead to another, ultimately could lead to something really transformational. Yes. And I had a great guest on recently who spoke about all the money that's put into drug development and how few of those drugs actually get to the point where they can be produced and distributed. Millions right. and millions right. and millions of dollars in research that yeah. do not take something to fruition. Only a few will. You mentioned the investments that have been made in drug discovery. Tremendous amounts of money, billions of dollars. But when you find that thing that works, oh, it's incredibly satisfying. And many would argue that it was all worth it. Yes, exactly. Levi, this has been great. Appreciate so much your sharing your expertise with us, your insights, your perspectives, talking about the future. How can our listeners find out more about you, about the UD Engineering Program, the National Academy of Engineering's Grand Challenges for Engineering, and anything else that you would want them to know about? Easiest way to get to know more about what we're doing is to go to our website. And uh, you can just type in University of Delaware Engineering. You'll get to uh, get to our website. It has the latest news highlighting all the wonderful things that we're doing here in the College of Engineering. We also have a Twitter um, account if you wanted to follow us, uh, UD Engineering, or at UD Engineering. That would be another way. And I'm trying to be more social networking friendly. So I even have a LinkedIn page now. <laughs> Great. If you were looking for me, you could find me. And I try to, you know, at least once a week, do a post of uh, things that are really interesting here at the University of Delaware and elsewhere. That's how you get to know more about our university and our college. Okay, excellent. And how can they find out about the National Academy of Engineering's Grand Challenges for Engineering that we've been speaking about, Levi? Well, you can easily go to the uh, National Academy of Engineering. Just type in National Academy of Engineering. It'll take you right to the front page and easily navigate to the Grand Challenges, the 14 Grand Challenges. And there are stories and highlights about work that's being done to address those Grand Challenges. Yes, and I was going to tell everybody that I did do that in advance of my conversation here with Levi, and it's very easy to find that information. I won't tell you for me personally as a non-engineer that it's always easy to understand the information, but also when you think about what Levi said about investing in research, I think if you know a little bit more about any of those 14 challenges, it might make you more of an advocate to do what he has espoused here. Levi, thank you again. It's been wonderful having you on, and we wish you much continued success personally and with the University of Delaware. Thank you so much, Jeff, and you have a, uh, a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. This concludes part two of our two-part series on engineering trends, opportunities, and the future with our guest expert, Dr. Levi Thompson. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Dr. Thompson or me, please contact me at my website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. And if you like this episode, I'd really appreciate your liking it or giving it a positive review on the podcast hosting site where you listen to it. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.